Section 7 of The Law by Frederick Bastiat. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Craig Favorite. The Law by Frederick Bastiat. Section 7. Saint Just. The legislator commands the future. It is for him to will for the good of mankind. It is for him to make men what he wishes them to be. Robespierre. The function of government is to direct the physical and moral powers of the nation towards the object of its institution. Below Varenne. A people who are to be restored to liberty must be formed anew. Ancient prejudices must be destroyed antiquated customs changed, depraved affections corrected, and venerate vices eradicated. For this a strong force and a vehement impulse will be necessary. Citizens, the inflexible austerity of Lycurgus, created the firm basis of the Spartan Republic. The feeble and trusting disposition of Solon plunged Athens into slavery, this parallel contains the whole science of government. Le Pelletier, considering the extent of human degradation, I am convinced of the necessity of effecting an entire regeneration of the race and, if I may so express myself, of creating a new people. Men, therefore, are nothing but raw material. It is not for them to will their own improvement. They are not capable of it. According to St. Just, it is only the legislator who is. Men are merely to be what he wills that they should be. According to Robespierre, who copies Rousseau literally, the legislator is to begin by assigning the aim of the institutions of the nation. After this, the government has only to direct all its physical and moral forces towards this end. All this time, the nation itself is to remain perfectly passive and Billovarain would teach us that it ought to have no prejudices, affections, nor wants, but such as are authorized by the legislator. He even goes so far as to say that the inflexible austerity of a man is the basis of a republic. We have seen that, in cases where the evil is so great that the ordinary magistrates are unable to remedy it, Mabley recommends a dictatorship to promote virtue, have recourse, says he, to an extraordinary magistracy, whose time shall be short, and his power considerable. The imagination of the people requires to be impressed. This doctrine has not been neglected. Listen to Robespierre. The principle of the republican government is virtue, and the means to be adopted during its establishment is terror. We want to substitute in our country, morality for self-indulgence, probity for honor, principles for customs, duties for decorum, the empire of reason for the tyranny of fashion, contempt of vice for contempt of misfortune, pride for insolence, greatness of soul for vanity, love of glory for love of money, good people for good company, merit for intrigue, genius for wit, truth for glitter, the charm of happiness for the weariness of pleasure, the greatness of man for the littleness of the great, 
a magnanimous, powerful, happy people for one that is easy, frivolous, and degraded. That is to say, we would substitute all the virtues and miracles of a republic for all the vices and absurdities of monarchy. At what a vast height above the rest of mankind does Robespierre place himself here, and observe the arrogance with which he speaks. He is not content with expressing a desire for a great renovation of the human heart. He does not even expect such a result from a regular government. No, he intends to effect it himself, and by means of terror. The object of the discourse from which this puerile and laborious mass of antithesis is extracted was to exhibit the principles of morality that ought to direct a revolutionary government. Moreover, when Robespierre asks for a dictatorship, it is not merely for the purpose of repelling a foreign enemy or of putting down factions. It is that he may establish, by means of terror and as a preliminary to the operation of the Constitution, his own principles of morality. He pretends to nothing short of extirpating from the country by means of terror, self-interest, honor, customs, decorum, fashion, vanity, the love of money, good company, intrigue, wit, luxury, and misery. It is not until after he, Robespierre, shall have accomplished these miracles, as he rightly calls them, that he will allow the law to regain her empire. Truly, it would be well if these visionaries, who think so much of themselves and so little of mankind, who want to renew everything, would only be content with trying to reform themselves. The task would be arduous enough for them. In general, however, these gentlemen, the reformers, legislators, and politicians, do not desire to exercise an immediate despotism over mankind. No, they are too moderate and too philanthropic for that. They only contend for the despotism, the absolutism, the omnipotence of the law. They aspire only to make the law. To show how universal this strange disposition has been in France, I had need not only to have copied the whole of the works of Mably, Raynal, Rousseau, Fenelon, and to have made long extracts from Bossuet and Montesquieu, but to have given the entire transactions of the sittings of the convention. I shall do no such thing, however, but merely refer the reader to them. No wonder this idea suited Bonaparte so well. He embraced it with ardor, and put it in practice with energy. Playing the part of a chemist, Europe was to him the material for his experiments. But this material reacted against him. More than half undeceived, Bonaparte, at St. Helena, seemed to admit that there is an initiative in every people, and he became less hostile to liberty. Yet this did not prevent him from giving this lesson to his son in his will. To govern is to diffuse morality, education, and well-being. After all this, I hardly need show, by fastidious quotations, the opinions of Morelli, Babeuf, Owen, St. Simon, and Fourier. I shall confine myself to a few extracts from Louis Blanc's book on the organization of labor. 
In our project, society receives the impulse of power. In what does the impulse that power gives to society consist? In imposing upon it the project of Mr. Louis Blanc. On the other hand, society is the human race. The human race, then, is to receive its impulse from Mr. Louis Blanc. It is at liberty to do so or not, it will be said. Of course the human race is at liberty to take advice from anybody, whoever it may be. But this is not the way in which Mr. Louis Blanc understands the thing. He means that his project should be converted into law, and consequently, forcibly, imposed by power. In our project, the state has only to give a legislation to labor by means of which the industrial movement may and ought to be accomplished in all liberty. It, the state, merely places society on an incline, that is all, that it may descend, when once it is placed there by the mere force of things and by the natural course of the established mechanism. But what is this incline? One indicated by Mr. Louis Blanc, Does it not lead to an abyss? No, it leads to happiness. Why then does not society go there of itself? Because it does not know what it wants, and it requires an impulse. What is to give it this impulse? Power. And who is to give the impulse to power? The inventor of the machine, Mr. Louis Blanc. We shall never get out of this circle. Mankind passive and a great man moving it by the intervention of the law. Once on this incline, will society enjoy something like liberty? Without a doubt. And what is liberty? Once for all, liberty consists not only in the right granted, but in the power given to man to exercise, to develop his faculties under the empire of justice and under the protection of the law. And this is no vain distinction. There is a deep meaning in it, and its consequences are imponderable. For when once it is admitted that man, to be truly free, must have the power to exercise and develop his faculties, it follows that every member of society has a claim upon it for such education as shall enable his faculties to display themselves, and for the tools of labor without which human activity can find no scope. Now, by whose intervention is society to give to each of its members the requisite education and the necessary tools of labor, unless by that of the state? Thus, liberty is power. In what does this power consist? In possessing education and tools of labor. Who is to give education and tools of labor? society who owes them by whose intervention is society to give tools of labor to those who do not possess them by the intervention of the state from whom is the state to obtain them it is for the reader to answer this question and to notice whither all this tends end of section seven